what Madame Pelé or the island or the race itself, what it's doing is inviting you to step into a higher level of yourself where you dig deeper than ever before, go harder than you ever have before, are more mentally strong and mentally tough than you've ever been before, and that you reach all new levels physically, emotionally, and mentally. Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Hey there, Cam here from Team Sirius. Uh, this week on the live chat, Beck and Syria back from Kona, where I and a bunch of other members had the pleasure of catching up with them in person, which was great. They're going to wrap Kona up in this episode, and then they're also going to talk about off-season training. So I hope you enjoy it, and don't forget, if you want to join these chats live, you can join the Tri Club at TeamSiriusTriClub.com. Hello everybody, look who's here. Hi everybody, welcome back. We just got back from Kona yesterday. And tonight we're going to talk, after we do a little wrap on Kona, which is always important, um, whether we have an incredible success or we grow and we've learned from our racing. And we're going to talk about like off-season and obviously our training blocks and why they're so important in our club. But Siri, let's give it a little bit of a Kona wrap-up. Okay, awesome. First of all, everyone who raced Kona, congratulations. I know that so many thousands of dreams have come true on that beautiful island just by stepping on that start line. To qualify for Kona is an absolute enormous victory that you should be so proud of. And one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I actually talked about this on my Bedhead Chronicles today, is so many people, Beck and I noticed race week, were like, yeah, this island is either gonna lift you up or smack you down and ruin you, as if like the island chooses who it wants to support and who it doesn't, and that's just not the case. This island and this race is the ultimate teacher, and everyone that is qualified for Kona, basically, they are the student that is ready, and the teacher of the Ironman World Championship appears, and what Madame Pelé or the island or the race itself, what it's doing is inviting you to step into a higher level of yourself where you dig deeper than ever before, go harder than you ever have before, are more mentally strong and mentally tough than you've ever been before, and that you reach all new levels physically, emotionally, and mentally. And the ones that do, that are ready to learn and are ready to take the challenges and to step in rather than step back, those are the ones that are victorious. Now, for Rinnie, Marinda Carfrey, my athlete, um, she had an injury six weeks before falling and breaking her radius in her elbow. Um, we, it took about two weeks of no swimming and then getting back very slowly. But actually, by the day of the race, she had her swim going pretty darn good um, to where week before the big swim they have on the course, she swam 55, which was amazing. So we were really confident going into this race, but unfortunately, about 20 miles into the bike, her back started seizing up, her SI joint, and she basically had to spin the whole entire course because she had no power, could not put any power into the pedals. So that was pretty devastating. And basically what happened, which we all need to think about, is if you have an accident or a fall or you break a bone and it's in your upper body, 
It is so important to understand that you are going to be compensating, even if you feel like you're not, you're gonna be compensating and that's gonna put you biomechanically in a position that your body's not used to. So during that time, it is so incredibly important to get so much body work and to constantly be worked on to maintain that balance in your body. Because what happened is that throughout those six weeks, Rini was compensating inner bars on the bike without really knowing it, um, carrying Izzy all the time on her right side to protect the left. Um, when she swims, she only breathes, breathes to the right-hand side. So all these little things over time are building up and creating an imbalance. And what I didn't realize because we weren't together for those six weeks is that she wasn't getting much body work done and she wasn't really thinking about the fact that that would be important. So that's the mistake that we realized we made. Um, but she got into the race, her bike and run were better than ever before, thinking that we really had a great shot at getting on that podium at least. Um, but unfortunately her day end with a seized up back um, and that's what happened. But her Can I husband, add to this yes, real quick. Yes, I want to say that I think she actually had to make a conscious decision whether she decides to continue or her husband, who was in second place, mm -hmm. if she did decide to continue, she would have completely missed seeing him get a second place in Hawaii. And I actually think that perhaps there was a conscious decision too to do I do I try and run or do I actually sacrifice and be completely selfless, which I think is even more honorable, to stop and actually see Tim and encourage Tim. And I think that was incredible from her. They showed so much humility and so much like selfless of a selfless act. So I want to honor her for that. I, I agree with you, Beck. And yeah. again, like before the race, I was talking to Rini about how this race is your teacher. And in that moment, <laughs> The decision was to follow through and limp through the run. Damage, right. yeah. But uh, she made the choice that understanding that this was the greatest day her husband has ever had, breaking the world record, coming in second, like it was amazing. And a victory for their family yep. is a victory for Rini as well. So that was incredible that Tim had such an, an awesome heroic race and Rini um, has only been focusing on him yesterday and today. Um, but I'm sure, you know, she has learned a lot from what happened um, over the last six weeks and um, we'll see where we go from here. But, you know, so many dreams came true on that course this weekend. Such an unbelievable race. I was so impressed with Anna Hogg and uh, is it Anna or Anne? I think it's Anne, but they say Anna because okay. it's... I was just so impressed coming from ITU. I I mean, her run form looked very similar to Rennie's, but she was floating. And that it sort of showed like the petite, tiny, like really lean, lean, tiny muscle muscle on her. Like she was just did not seem to be affected by the heat. And the same with Jan, he's such a tall bean pole. And it was something I noticed that these very tiny, petite or very extremely lean, small muscle mass athletes, when the temperature is really hot and it's really humid... They really excel. I'm not to say that people with bigger muscle mass won't, but I did notice that these little ones, like the Rennie's type bodies, were just, she just was flying in that run. I was in awe of watching her. And it did remind me a lot of Rennie's run mm. style. If you watched her form, it's very yeah, similar. Yeah, beautiful run Beautiful, form. beautiful technique. Incredible cadence. Strong core, core as fast cadence. Yeah. yeah, forward lean. Amazing. And just power per step, just like Rennie. So. Yeah. Amazing. So we want to hear, um, I know Allie Rutledge was out there racing. She did amazing. She and got 46. I know, so Ali. Ali, congratulations, 46. And Petra, uh, Vonzi's athlete, was 21st. Amazing. Um, but I also quickly want to welcome new members that I didn't mention last week was Andrea Wilsberg, um, 
sorry, Alexander Wilsberg and Martin Schefter, um, they're Europeans. And we also had uh, a new one-on-one athlete um, with uh, Mary Carmen, which is really exciting. Yay. Um, and his name was Carlos La Jo... I don't know how to say it. It's L-O-Z-O-Y-A, maybe La Jolla, but I wouldn't know. Amazing. But she'll be able to correct that. Welcome, guys, to the team. Amazing. But, yeah, talking about my athlete, Melissa, who was a two-time duathlon world champion and qualified for Kona, uh, is used to the heat, used to the humidity, but massive GI issues after having to wait 45 minutes for a mechanical on the bike. She snapped her rear derailleur, which, you know, these things happen. And I think just having to push, just she was in the biggest ring and the biggest gear on the back and just knew that, she said to me, I knew that we'd done this in training. We'd use big gear. We're used to doing 60 RPM, but in that heat and that humidity, it just completely destroyed her body. And the GI issues started happening about 10 miles and the paramedics actually pulled her off with hypone. Um, hyponatremia um, after about 10 miles so that was hard but she's um, she's learned from this and she knows that she's going to come back stronger it was going to be one of her final races but now we've decided to use that fitness and carry it through to um, another race um, when she's ready so I think it's given her a little bit of um, fuel to the fire to uh, to come back even stronger and she's got such a positive attitude and that's what makes her a real champion um although she's a champion of the sport but she has a champion mindset and i think both her and Rennie really showed that and i was really proud of her i mean i was so proud of melissa too i she mean never she never gave is up just such a joy and you two have made the most incredible team together and um mm. i could tell that she you know being grateful for achieving uh, the qualification is incredible. Exactly. Just getting there. Just getting there amazing. is a massive victory and something that people dream of. So, like I said, thousands of dreams are made on that island because it's not just how you finish. It's getting there in the first place, and that's incredible. Exactly. So, just qualifying is, like, an incredible achievement. Yeah, just amazing. Towing, towing the line. And one thing that stood out for me, I know Jan Frodeno won, but my heart, I think Tim O'Donnell won my heart that day because two things. One was gratitude and one was... Uh, run from the heart and he said to me a friend said to him just get out there and open your heart in the run I was like wow that's so powerful and um just I think he just won the heart of all Americans and all athletes and everyone around the world when he said that and just when he said it he just he just towing the line he had so much gratitude for just being there and I know Siri has gratitude written on her wrist and something we live by so Timmy O'Donnell if you're listening you won my heart you've obviously won your wife she stopped to cheer you on so I think that that was for me performance of the of the day for sure. Yeah, incredible. So onwards uh, to training blocks. So we're yeah, today we're talking season. about off season and our training blocks and why we do them. We're gonna give you a secret little insights into Siri. This is actually something that I did with Siri. I never did it with Brett. Was um, off season training blocks and it's worked incredibly. You've seen Mary Carmen come from a non swimmer to a, a great swimmer. So we can definitely start talking about. Yeah, us. and off season is so incredibly important, you guys, and even. If you look at Tim O'Donnell, like he was training so, so hard, but he got injured twice and missed a lot of hard, hard weeks of training that he typically would have been doing. Basically, the athletes that started a bit later in and the year, the, same. the athletes that had moments of big rest mid-season, those are the ones that rose to the top mm-hmm. on Ironman World Championship Day. So that is further proof that what we do here works and is absolutely necessary. You've got to, number one, <laughs> give your body the rest it deserves. But number two, as much as you love this sport, you have to mentally give yourself a break. And so what I do is after the last race of the season, we'll do two weeks of absolutely nothing at all. 
Mm-hmm. Um, then we'll do two like weeks. No swim, bike, run. Nothing whatsoever. I want my athletes to be writing me saying, I am absolutely going and saying, please, please let me train again. Because it means that they are remembering how much they love this sport, mm-hmm. how much they want to be out there doing the swim and the bike and the run because sometimes we forget that. Mm -hmm. So to have that mental break is everything. So then I give them a little teaser where for four weeks, I'll give them five days a week of training, but building up from basically one hour a day on those days, building up each week, but having two days completely off every single week for five weeks. And let me recap. So it's two weeks off, no swim, bike, run, five weeks of only five training sessions a week. Exactly. Not seven days no, a week. Just, just five. Five, okay, five so days a week. Seven weeks total, right. Seven weeks total. Now, you have to trust. In two weeks, first of all, you are going to lose absolutely nothing. Zero. Maybe like 1% and your feel. Yeah. And mentally, depending on, and here's what I ask of my athletes. I don't want you every single day to be like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm not training. I'm losing everything. If you're doing that, that kind of stress is just not going to help you. So really surrender. Surrender to this two weeks fully off. Go do all the things that you never have time to do. Enjoy your family. Thank your family. Exactly. Get stuff done two weeks fully off. And then those five days a week of training, one thing a day for two weeks. And what about quality? Is there any quality? In There's a, basically what we keep is we maintain feel for going fast. We're going to do some change of pace work. We'll Fire do lift. a little bit of like 15 seconds fast in all three, just to maintain that feel for speed, um, maintaining your ability to be efficient form-wise, um, and keeping it fun. Keeping what it about really fun. time-wise? What would be the maximum amount of time you'd give them? Like two hours maximum? Oh, by the fifth week, um, three hours at the very, very most, maybe one or two of those five days, but that mm-hmm. is it. Most days will be around an hour. Right. Yeah. So very little training, guys. You're and getting the secret source here, guys, so listen in. Yeah, it's just so very important, and, and it was just further proof this year in Kona. Everybody that had been through injuries and had significant periods periods of time off are the ones Hi, that Janet. did the very best. Yeah. So going into Kona a bit underdone is always way, way better than overdoing it. And it's something that, you know, it's taken years. I know that people will start doing um, what we've been doing for so many years because it works. Um, but still people have a real hard time giving in and believing that that can be the best way. And we've, we've talked about this a lot. Like you saw MC get a little niggle during the year and then had, she basically won her age was fifth overall in the pros in Monterey after having this issue. She barely ran and I had my best run ever in Montreblanc from being injured. Tim was injured, didn't run and a hook. And I think a lot of it is that mentally they feel like they lose fitness and they get all this, this fear of that. But really what it's doing is allowing the body to absorb all the hard training. Mm-hmm. If you're not kidding yourself and you've been doing the work, it's, it's honestly always a blessing in disguise. And we've seen that over and over and over. And I saw Vivian posted something about like Tim and Anna Hug, who first and second, both of them had injuries. Jan, same thing. Jan was injured mm-hmm. most of the year and came back and said he's ready. And just goes to show like most athletes are overtrained. That's, that's the key. The key is like letting your body absorb that. Training. And let me add a, a different perspective to this as well. When an athlete is coming off a big injury and missing a lot of training, 
they also have the mindset of, I have no, no idea. Yeah. I have no idea how I'm going to go. I mean, I've missed... No expectation. Know, I didn't train like I normally do going into the say race. I missed all this running. I missed all this swimming, whatever it is. You know, so they get rid of the expectation. And the only expectation becomes just doing the best that they can with what they have. And to remove the heavy burden of expectation is so freeing. Mm-hmm. that I think that plays just as much of a role as 100%. coming in underdone um, and is just so crucially important. I agree because most of the races where I felt underdone, I really excelled. And ones where I was so fit, like for Kona, no injuries leading up and I just choked. I really it was more of just choking. And I think it's always, if, yeah, if people can shift that or maybe they don't shift that, they leave it because I think maybe that helps them more than hinders them. But let's talk a little bit about... Um, Swim blocks, because I'm going to actually start my guys on. It was going to be, guys, a two-week swim block. Then it started four weeks. Now I've talked to the guru here, and she's saying six weeks. And the good thing is, like, the guys that I'm starting with, they are kind of non more non-swimmers. But in saying that, I mean, you did the same with the Ellie Salt House as the best swimmers in the sport. So give a little insight into, like, what you would normally start with. Like, is it usually a swim block going into the off-season, or do you start with a run block and then saying that with a run block – my fear has been as a coach that a lot of my guys are running indoors. So you do have to be mindful of being on the treadmill all the time as well. Absolutely. And for me, it's a little bit sneaky. So all of you that are my athletes, <laughs> I'll tell you that, you know, we have the basically seven weeks of off-season, off-season, off-season training. Mm-hmm. And I want more than that. Mm-hmm. I want even more. So I see that the perfect time for the swim block is after those seven weeks Got it. so that you're going to have another five weeks of mostly swimming and you're getting such a break, mm-hmm. uh, you know, muscularly, muscularly from and, and for your bones when you're doing all this swimming. But what you're also getting is you're improving your swim, you're becoming more efficient, but the aerobic fitness that we're building up on the swim mm-hmm. is just translates beautifully over to the bike and the run. So what surprises most people, and they get so freaked out because yeah. they're on a, anywhere from a four to eight week swim block, is they think, oh my God, I'm going to be biking horrible, I'm going to be running horrible, and they end up getting back and they're like, oh, I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's because the aerobic fitness you get through this swim block is massive. Mm-hmm. So it actually, when you start biking and running again, you feel better than you ever have before in taking two weeks off and starting biking and running again. So for non-swimmers and swimmers alike, the swim block is an absolute integral part of how we get through the off season Mm -hmm. and start the year healthy. Because your success during the season, your joy in, in your season in the coming year will have a lot to do with showing up healthy at the start of your season. That's key for me. That's so important. I don't like when my athletes get injured. I want everybody healthy and firing on all cylinders, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So going through this, really nailing the off season is everything to me. Yeah, and the season in the States doesn't start till April anyway. I know there's Aussies and New Zealanders that race in January and their off-season usually starts straight after Kona, but sometimes it's hard to carry through all the way till April. And if you start training too soon, um, I think there's so many more chances for injury. And I agree, like with the swim block, there's less pounding on the muscles, there's less weight bearing on the legs, and you still have the cardiovascular fitness. And Siri and I always say to our athletes, like your heart and lungs, and I say it so often, 
your heart doesn't know what exercise you're doing. It just knows that it's getting adaptation. There may not be that weight bearing on the legs, but that comes back so quick. And that cardiovascular fitness comes from the heart and lungs. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have a brain. It doesn't know what exercise you're doing. It just knows that, okay, I've got to adapt here. So I, we love our swim blocks and we've given you all our secret sauce here. But going into the run block, I know you have to be mindful, Siri, because usually we'll do, well, I personally do the bike block and then the run block. But I'm thinking now I may need to switch that to the run block then the bike block because would there be a difference with ending in the run block knowing that there's a little more chance of, of injury doing a run block and then adjusting it as you come into the run block you haven't had your running in your legs you obviously need to like taper back a bit in that sense where you don't do a ton of speed or high intensity starting off running because your body hasn't had that running in its legs so you right. have to be careful of that switch too absolutely and and the thing is that what comes next now keep in mind guys that during the swim block you're still going to be doing a couple runs a couple bikes and what we give mm -hmm. if if you have us as your coaches those runs aren't just to run we will give you what you need so that you are getting the most bang for your buck each run and mm -hmm. each ride. But also as a swim block build. So in the beginning, you'll be doing more biking and running because you're only swimming a certain amount. But each week, yeah. that mileage is building up. Um, as far as what comes next, I mean, typically you would go to the bike block and then the run block. Mm -hmm. But if you have someone that really wants to be working on their run, right. then you want that run block to come next. And okay. there's a way, Perfect. of course, to orchestrate all of this perfectly, depending on the individual athlete. But again, I'm going to speak kind of generically here for all of you. Um, when you start the run block, it's building up your strength. It's building up your in endurance on the run. And by endurance, because you already have built up your aerobic fitness on the swim, mm -hmm. by run endurance, I'm talking about strength. just, you know, time on the legs mm -hmm. running. Mm -hmm. And you won't be doing any massive sets, but what you'll be doing is a lot of change of pace work <clears throat> to stimulate your body and to, to feel speed a little bit here and to feel your heart rate at different ranges. Um, but efficiency work, um, change of pace Can you give work. an example of those sessions? Um, like a fartlek. We yep. do a ton of fartlek um, in the wintertime, and that would be uh, just a, a really easy example, like 30 seconds fast, 30 seconds easy, a minute fast, 30 seconds easy, two minutes or, or not fast, sorry, build, let me build. change it, but yeah, like building to fast. Because people ask what's yeah, fast, and fast is kind of relative to where you're at. Obviously, if you haven't been running, you're not going to go flat out, no. like you no, need no, to no. build to fast. So the 30 seconds would be fast, mm -hmm. 30 seconds easy. The minute would be kind of like, just however you feel on that day, just building up in speed for a minute, then doing a minute super easy, then building up for two minutes, and then doing two minutes easy and building up for three minutes and doing so three like minutes a one easy. to one rest ratio. Absolutely, right. but also by change of pace, I do not want you thinking, oh well, I was doing three minutes at you know twenty k. Get rid of the Garmin. Yeah. Get rid. No Garmin's in the off season, let alone in the in, in season. But no right. Garmin. And in the this is the biggest thing. Please, all no of heart it rate. is aerobic. All of it is aerobic, except for that 30 seconds, which is short enough where your heart rate's going to yep. come right down. But all these change of pace efforts are aerobic, and you're basically going from your low-end aerobic zone to your high-end aerobic zone. But we are doing, like, really very small amounts of threshold work this time of year. We'll do speed work, like turnovers on the treadmill mm -hmm. or, you know, short, um, fast, hard efforts, like 30-second efforts on the bike. But that's it, and it's building strength, it's building your endurance, it's building up um, just, and making it fun. 
because you don't want to be doing the same sets that you're doing all season long in the winter. So we, Becky, you and I created these off-season plans and all of our plans. Mm -hmm. And one of the main things is understanding that we got to keep it fun and interesting during the off-season so that you feel like you're getting something different and you can really embrace it and love it and get into it so that when you're ready to start the main season, um, you are hungry for more and hungry for those kind of... Um, you know, harder core sessions that are coming your way. Yep. I think the two big differences are a lot of people just, some people I know age groupers, they just stop completely and they have three months off. That's just a no-no because you do lose. You tend to lose about 1% a week after four weeks. It's about 4% and then it kind of um, um, it accumulates over time, obviously. But things we're adding in a little bit of spiky speed, a little bit of strength and a little bit of everything where like series sprinkles it throughout the off season. You have to do that. You can't just do complete low. If you want to talk heart rate zone yeah. L1, L2, because it's not going to, it's not, you're going to lose a little more fitness. So we always make sure that our training always has little spikes in it, little bits of everything, tiny little bit of everything and, and sprinkle that in so that you don't sprinkle. lose any fitness. My favorite you basically word. will maintain <laughs> fitness like the whole off season. You won't lose fitness and you'll, if not gain endurance and strength. So that's, that's, that's our goals for these plans and they're all that's what all the plans are based on with 20 years experience in the sport and again we don't use heart rate in off season we don't use the power it's completely no. irrelevant and I laugh I laugh at my guy that was I'm not going to mention his name has been injured the last four months and he's using his looking at his garment and his heart rate I mean all that's going to do is give you in a negative um, headspace because you're not going to be where you want to be so get rid of it even in season when you're under complete fatigue all it does is is I won't say the swear word, but with your head, like you, you just, yeah. you know, there is times for it. I know. Um, okay, guys. Now, one last thing about the off season. I have a question here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, is now I'm forgetting what I was going to say. So you keep going on to the question now. So Beck's asking, she's a, she's a believer, but now she's traveling three days a week. And there's, there's three days where she can't swim, which is not a problem in the off season anyway. Um... How does she do the balance? Uh, not to mention three-hour bricks can't be done on a weekday. You can still do double bike days, double swim days, mm -hmm. make up for it. Um, how do we break it up? So I would say one thing is that there's always a pool where you're traveling. You just have to be really resourceful and look for YMCA. Look for anywhere. Look for anything. Ask to borrow an endless pool off a friend who lives in the area. There's always a way. But always. just because you can't swim three days of those days, that's fine. You have four other days. So, Becky, there's, it's, you know, just find, an, find a way. There's always a way, as Siri says, to find a way. Um, what do you want to add to that? Well, I'm going to have to be really honest, Rebecca. I mean, uh, Jody Robertson, my athlete, gets up at you know, 3.45 every morning. Yeah. She's a school teacher, starts her three-hour ride at 4 a.m. and is at work on time by 7.30. So that's um, a lot of pros do You that. know, how bad do you want it? Um, if that's impossible as far as if that's going to create problems in your marriage, which I totally get and I honor that and I support that. That would create problems then, in my marriage. Yeah, <laughs> that, me too. Me too. So <laughs> if if you have the ability to do that like Jody does, then awesome. But if you don't, I think the way that you do it is, and it will work out just the same, do as much as you can do in the morning. Maybe you can get two hours done in the morning. And when you get home from work, do the hour with the runoff. So there's a way to get it done. But also, I think that, um, you know, you can make adjustments to your plan. So speak with your coach, Karen, 
and make sure the biggest thing is that we as coaches, Karen needs to know where you're going to be when you're traveling, what you can and can't do. Like if our athletes don't tell us where we're going to be, what we can do, what we can't do, then we can't do our best job. And as coaches, we want to be the best that we can be for you. So allow us that opportunity by communicating with us and letting us know exactly where you're going to be, what your um, what's going to be available to you, and we can create your plan around that to make it work so that you can do 90% of the sessions rather than 50. I hope that helps, but communication is everything, guys, and you have to remember that every single coach on this squad, we are not here to be average. We're here to be freaking amazing, and in order to do that, we need to communicate with our athletes. So if you as an athlete are not asking for what you need, that, I hate to say it, that's, that's down to you because the coach will give you what you need, but you need to ask for what you want. And part of that, I've trained all of you. I know Beck and Karen are very yeah, communicative, so they don't have a problem okay. with it at all. Amazing. But for me, I would say um, I train all of my coaches to say that this is a sport where you individually are going after what you want and what you hope to achieve. So that starts with, in every aspect of your life, asking for what you need, asking for what you want, and taking the initiative to do whatever it takes to get where you want to go. So I hope that makes sense. I was trying not to laugh. I wasn't laughing at you, but Byron was snoring, and someone just asked. They said they heard snoring. It was not me. Yes, it was my beautiful little dog, Byron. He's 12 this year, and he sleeps basically all day, but he's amazing. Um, but someone's asked, and this is a valid question, and I kind of giggled at this too, but it, you know, sometimes people just wouldn't know the answer to this. And uh, Laura's, Laura Berry's asking, can Beck row in place of swimming? I would say no. I would say she's better off riding or swim cords. Um, swim cords, but yeah, you want to do sports. You want to, yeah, exactly, Vasa trainer, but you want to do sports specific. So rowing, it's not really that specific. The only thing you get with cardiovascular cardiovascular adaptation, but you're getting that from the riding and the running. So I would not row because it's it's going to be working muscles in different ways. It's not really conducive to swimming. I would ride or maybe run depending on your your injuries and what you're prone to. But I think swim cords, Vasa, uh, swim cords even three or four minutes a day is is a good alternative. Or Becky, work on your bike, like do another bike session instead. But there's, you know, you Usually there's a pool. Usually I will always find a YMCA or a pool where I'm going and just find a way. Even if you happen to swim at eight o'clock, if you have like a early morning flight, that might not work. But just I know you can find a way, and I know Beck you will because you're amazing and you're always yes. constantly improving. And Karen is one of the most incredible coaches absolutely. of our club, so I know you guys will work. Yeah, that out. you guys will absolutely. And here's the big thing, guys. In life, in general, we have things that we should do, and we have things that we must do. Now, it's a matter of changing your shoulds to must. Because shoulds, we might do, we may not do, who knows. But when something becomes a must, you will figure out a way. You will find a pool. You will find stretch cords. You will find a way because it's a must for you. So think about in your life in areas that, um, and this is just kind of a life thing now, like are there areas that you're not that happy with or you're not achieving the goals that you hope for? Um, to think are about you in your living life by shoulds or are you living by must? Because when you must do the things in your life, I must uh, be tidy up and, and love on my wife by 
doing the things that I know matter to her. It's a must for me because I love my wife more than anything in the world and I want her to be happy. Now, there are things that I should do. I should work out first in the morning because I should be thinking about my health first, but you know, sometimes I want to and sometimes I don't. So I'll go out and I'll feed the horses and hang out with the horses and I may end up working out at noon. Um, so because but the horses are a must. Well, that is a must. Yeah. And that's a more important must. You got to feed the horses. That's just cool right. because they're winning in the mornings to us. But does that make sense, what I'm saying? Total sense. Okay. Good. Yep. Always away. Yep. Good. Back and we will see you in kind of next year. Keep yeah, going. there you go, girl. All right. Yep. Any other questions, you guys? Yes, I love it, Rebecca. Awesome. <laughs> Any other questions? Because if there's not, we're, we'll head off. But yeah, my guys are looking forward to their six-week swim block. I know Matt Vella. We've got some biking and running the first few weeks. We've gone from 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 to 60. We're going to be going up to 60 kilometers minimum. I know MC did 100, so she's lifted the bar. She has the standard up there. So we might need to lift our standard a little higher and get Matt up to 100K a week. So, I mean, Amazing. it obviously worked for MC. So, you guys, I'm going to even join some of my guys for some of those swims. So, looking forward to that. And it's life-changing. Yeah. It's life-changing, guys. It's not just about the swim. It's not just about the sport. It's And Mary Carmen, I'm sure maybe you can write something up here and Maddie, you as well that going through this swim block when you first see it it's like there's no way this is impossible like how what is she crazy but then when you get through it and you start accomplishing it week by week it is the most satisfying and fulfilling feat to have accomplished so maybe mary carmen and maddie and karen burks my god you've been through it multiple times karen uh, maybe you can share Kind of what you got out of um, that swim block, not just physically, uh, but mentally, emotionally, a life lesson, whatever it is, maybe share that with the club. We'd really appreciate it. And Laura Berry was asking about run pace or run calculator. And if we use that, well, the fact that I don't even know what that is um, means that we obviously don't use it. I, maybe, I do. I love it. You, oh, you do? Yeah, okay, I love well, it. I don't know what it is. You've never shared okay. that with me. So yeah. what is it, Siri, and how do they use that and how is it beneficial? Um, well, so... It wow. says here, I, it determines you, how fast your pace should be if you have a certain finish time and desired distance for the race. Okay, well, I use it without even actually literally knowing that I use it. So my guys, if their goal is a 130 off the bike for a half marathon, then um, I say to them, well, your goal pace then off the bike is about 15 seconds quicker than that because you need to be able to hold that when you're under fatigue off the bike. So yeah, I do use it without even realizing what it was. Sarah, so how do you use it? Um, I use great it, question, Laura, uh, by the yeah, way. Great question, Laura. So I have we always- We definitely use it. <laughs> um, I, I used it a lot more when I was working with only IQ think, athletes yeah. that were going after those, you know, 32 minute 10Ks. Oh, 32? I've never um, seen anyone run a 32 for 10K in ITU. And Yours is 33, yours is the fastest. I did, I did 33, do 14. I did do... 33. Oh, okay. 32. Yeah. Okay. okay. Anyways, <laughs> long story short, you can get online. There are a number of different sites that have a pace calculator. And basically what it shows you, and, and I used it more as um, a marker in my mo own mind, but I also am someone that tends to do more than what it says you should because I'm a high achiever, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it will tell you like, okay, if you want to run a 10K in... Uh, 32 minutes, um, this is what you should be holding for your threshold runs. This is what mm -hmm. you should be holding for your, you know, speed sets. And it kind of gives you an idea 
of what paces you should be aiming for in order to hit that goal time. So it's not something that I use all the time, but it can be something that's, um, if you're a visual person, um, it can be motivating. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's a helpful tool. They also have swim calculators. I, I call it my, I use my, I'm pretty good at math. So I always actually have been calculating where I've been calling it the run calculator. So I do definitely use it, Laura. That's, I just didn't call it that. So I usually, yeah, I work out what they want to hold for a marathon or what their goal marathon pace is. And then when they're doing their three, three minute or mile reps off the bike, um, under fatigue, then I have them holding a little bit, even a little bit quicker, obviously, than their pace. Because often I see so many generic Ironman plans where they say, run Ironman pace off the bike. And firstly, people maybe not don't know what that is, or they have, they calculate it way faster than what they're ever going to run. But then again, if they have that mindset, well, I'm only going to run four, four hours off the bike, they're going to run that. So in training, they're never going to run four hours off the bike if they're running four hour pace in no, training because yeah. they're never improved they're not pushing that threshold they're not pushing pushing that aerobic um baseline so i always have my guys running slightly quicker and even quicker in the shorter stuff like obviously the minute is two minutes three minutes are gonna be a lot quicker than what they would than what would be their race pace goal because that's the only way to improve so really really great question one, Thank one you for addition that. to that you know one thing that's been um such a blessing over the years <laughs> coaching for you know 15 years and you back coaching for how many years has it been with you uh, coaching since like I was about 20 so so like I'm not telling I, you how old I am maybe yeah. 20 years so I've had the the privilege of being able to coach some of the top swimmers in the sport you know whether it be Amanda Stevens or Jody Swallow um Rebecca Keat um some of the best bikers in the sport Leanda Cave Jody Swallow Yvonne Van Vlerken hello mm-hmm. um and some of the best runners in the sport so you get from, to know what you they get need to, know. to be like yeah. I know um, you know, Loretta Harrop, Susan Williams, medalist in the Olympics. Like, you know what it takes. I know what it takes to take a 39-minute 10K runner, Susan Williams, to a 35 at the Olympics. Yep. I know what it takes to take a 37-minute runner, Loretta Harrop, to a 35. But you wouldn't even need a pace calculator to do that now. No. You just know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's I know with Siri, she's like, you need to make the front pack. And I was always either at the last of the front pack, but I wanted to be at the front of the front pack. And she'd say, you have to make 4100s leaving on 120. And I was like, oh, my God, that, that's long course. That's impossible. And then I finally did it. And I knew if I did that mentally... Absolutely. And physically, I was going to be in the front pack. And that's how it works. And the coaches will get to learn that. I'm sure Maddie knows that. Mary Carmen's learning that. And we know if someone gives us a goal of a 10-hour Ironman, we know what the targets are. We may not tell them, but we know you're going to have to do this, this, and this. And you're going to have to hold this, this, and this. And in training, when we see, you know, do do some, like, time trials, we know whether they've got the capability of doing that or not. And then you readjust the goals accordingly. So, yes, Laura, great question. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah, awesome, Laura. Thank you. So everyone, thank you for being in our tribe. We appreciate you. We thank you for joining us tonight. Um, We wish you all the very best. Remember, when you want something bad, ask questions. Immerse yourself in the sport, whether that be, you know, asking questions or, you know, watching interviews, whatever it is, immerse yourself. But use us. You have an incredible tribe around you. We have incredible coaches between Karen and Maddie and Troy and Mary Carmen and Yvonne, you know, use us. You've got some of the best knowledge and, and many, many years of experience and expertise. So 
Um, can we ask one more question? Yes. Okay. Um, Neil, how I already know the answer to this, but Neil is asking that. Um, oh, how much training should he be? Where to go? How much training should he be doing? He's got a marathon coming up, but he has a leg injury, so that's not ideal. Mm. Um, you should buy the water goes. running plan. So the then plan. he's no. Wait on. I need to find the question now. So then he has a race. Now I can't find it. He has um, a race. I don't know when it was. I've lost the question. Well, Neil, first of all, don't run if you've got a run injury. I would, I think we have a water running, aqua running plan. And we've spoken about this on, on other podcasts. But basically, you know, I've had athletes do, I had an athlete, Brian, who went into Challenge Roth um, on basically four weeks of running on the ground and months and months of aqua jogging and he did amazing and had no problem getting to the finish so um definitely do not run on an injury heal that injury do aqua jogging it is the most amazing substitute when you do it right and i believe we sell an mm -hmm. uh an aqua jogging plan i have one but he, okay this is his question um he has training planned through our guys starting in January. Between now and January, how much should he train? I'm doing a marathon plus a little leg injury. So, yeah, as Siri said, I if you really want to have a good start to the season, I would not do a marathon. If you have a leg injury, that's just a no-brainer, um, depending on when it is, of course. But it sounds like it's coming up soon. Um, and I would start the off-season plan, less the running. And that season plan is like eight weeks. It's free as you're part of the club, so it's free. And that will get you through to January and then start the starter season plan, which is another eight weeks. It's also free as part of the club membership. If you don't, guys don't know this, I'm sorry, but you should have got notification of that when you joined up. So under the plans and the app, we have a free starter season, a free end of season, sorry, a free off season, end of season, a free starter season plan and a taper plan and lots of other stuff. So I would do the off season, the starter season, less the running. That'll, you probably have to speak more specifically about what injury it is yeah. and how we get you back, but, and then start the plan. So be really careful of that. I would personally say don't run. I would say lots of swimming, biking, aqua running yep. uh, would be amazing. Yep. And yep. a little bit of strength work in the gym, maybe something like that. Yeah. Mobility yep. work. Awesome. Yeah. But so I, send us a DM, I'm Team Serious Tri Club at gmail.com. I'd love to dive deeper into that for you personally if you would like. Everyone, it's an absolute honor and privilege to have the opportunity to share this amazing journey with you. We love you all, we thank you, and have a wonderful week. Thanks, guys. And if you have any questions, email us, Team Serious Tri Club at gmail.com or just post it on the wall. We love you guys. Thank Bye. you. Thank you. Bye.